I'm so glad you've made it to East City Wesleyan's podcast uh, page. Uh, my name's Brett Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at East City Wesleyan. Uh, if you would like to find out anything more about uh, who we are and uh, how we're trying to learn to grow closer to God and serve our community, uh, you'd be welcome to get in touch with us at the contact details on the page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and, and see how we can serve you. Morning, church. This morning's uh, scripture reading is taken from Mark chapter 6, verse 6 to 13, as well as uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Then Jesus went out around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for, for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove up many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and thought. What's the right spiritual discipline to choose for that moment when your cousin gets his head chopped off? Where do we go when things like that happen in our lives? What scripture would you go to to find comfort and meaning. What, what worship song would just seem to hit the right notes with that kind of tragedy? Where would you go if that was you? What do you hope for from God in that kind of moment? In Mark 6, Jesus is surrounded by chaos. The disciples have just got back from a road trip, uh, which was part, part training, part survivor, and they've done pretty well. They've been able to transfer what Jesus had been teaching into action. They've found a way to live that out in their own engagement with people beyond their circle. And so they've been preaching and healing and releasing people from bondage. And so there's a lot to download with Jesus. There's a lot to talk about. And it's good to debrief. 
You know, Jesus wants to hear from them, but it's chaos. And life is just so out of rhythm in this moment for Jesus. And then the people, you see, they don't stop. They're still clamoring for attention from him while this is going on. People coming uh, to him for healing. You see, Jesus is the, the hottest ticket in town. And everybody just wants to hear from him, to touch him, to see him, to be near him, to ask something of him. And it's good to be helping people, but it's chaos. There's no rhythm in the season. You see, it's not just the external reality that's a part of this chaos for Jesus. If we if we look at those verses that we didn't read in our reading from Mark 6, if the, if the preacher leaves some verses out in the reading, then normally there's a reason. You might want to go and have a little peek. See, if we back up, we find something that David didn't read. Because there's been a death in the family. Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist. His head's been cut off. And the sending out of the disciples has, has stirred up all of this trouble that John was causing all over again, and people are flocking to Jesus because John is gone. So the shadow of John's death is part of this chaos that Jesus finds himself in, this inner grief that's reflected in this outer chaos, it's all out of rhythm. So it's no wonder that Jesus calls a timeout to just take some time aside, a reset, a, a rewiring of the rhythm that has just got out of control as he deals with this tragedy in his family while he's still trying to train these interns, these disciples, and while the crowds just keep on coming. I'm not sure what life is, is like for you this week, this season. I don't know where your chaos is coming from, from, from the inner world from the world out there? I don't know. Maybe both at the same time. It's often the way it happens. But this week as we, as we look at what it means to, to, to rewire our discipleship, we're looking to Jesus to make sense of the chaos that we might begin to order our inner worlds in a way that brings life. We're going to rewire rhythm. Would you pray with me? Father God, this passage reminds us that there is nothing that we endure that Jesus hasn't himself faced. And so we look to him for an example, as we manage our own tragedies, as we manage our own busyness, as we manage the demands on us. 
And we dare to pray the dangerous prayer that you would help us to create rhythm out of chaos, that you might reshape us and change us and reveal things to us about how uh, we're living and who we're living for. So we ask that you would do that as we spend this time around your word and, and we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, there is good news, and the good news is that we all have rhythm. I mean, some people were commenting on the keyboard player's rhythm from last week, you know, in quite a malicious way that apparently there's a bit of shoulder action that happens when I play keyboards. At least it's rhythm, guys. Um, and uh, rhythm is a good thing. We all have it. Um, our habits are rhythms, right? The things that we do habitually, they're actually rhythms. And sometimes they're really good, and, and sometimes they're not so good. Our habits are rhythms. Sometimes our skills are actually uh, rhythms. The things that we've learned to do um, can, can create rhythms. And then we have all kinds of, uh, of, unco- of unconscious rhythms. Uh, things like uh, walking. That's a, that's a rhythm. Or brushing the hair out of our eyes. Or just checking, have we still got our phone on us? Or did we leave it somewhere? All kinds of unconscious rhythms rhythms that we have. So the question is not whether we have rhythm, but what is our rhythm? And the challenge for us, I think, is getting about past the kind of whatever sort of approach to rhythm, the unconscious, often unchosen sense of rhythm that is a part of who we are. And when it comes to spiritual rhythms and thinking about how that flows into our whole life, we see that Jesus lived a life with all kinds of different rhythms in the way that he lived. Uh, For example, uh, earlier on in Mark's gospel in chapter 1, we see him going on what was basically like a 40-day retreat. Um, In verse 12 we read, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. So Jesus is led into a place of solitude, a place of, of wrestling. And what's, what's interesting that is that this, a central part of Jesus' wrestling with, with how he will choose to live in the face of some pretty big uh, opportunities to please himself, the central thing in all of that for him are the Scriptures. That's how he approaches this time of solitude. And if you read in Matthew uh, chapter 4, we, we get a little bit more on this. Three times Jesus is faced with the opportunity uh, to use his, um, there's a theological word for this, uh, godiness. So godiness is, is the godiness that applied to Jesus. Uh, you have to go to theological, uh, do theological study to understand words like godiness. That's a joke, people. It's, it's, it's not a good one, but it is, however, yeah, all right. He has this opportunity to use his godliness, his divine power, uh, to focus uh, on his, his own physical needs. He has that opportunity to, to, to show off his power and, and be a king who rules over people uh, rather than who serves. Three times. And it's the mirror of the scriptures that helps shape his response. It's the scriptures that, that form him and shape him in that moment. And so the scriptures are a key part of the what for Jesus, a key part of his what. 
what forms his rhythms with this rhythm of engagement with the Scriptures. Again, you find it in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel, another example, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is a regular rhythm for Jesus, finding solitude, creating space uh, for prayer, for, for connection with God, carving out space for that. And the decision to specifically carve out this time and space for, for the presence of God is a, is a key part of the what. It's not just the Scriptures it's also how we carve out time for the presence of God. Now, there's two ways we can think of this, whether it's this kind of set-apart example, which we see here with Jesus, where he's actually moving his body and moving to a space where he can set apart that time, uh, or whether it's setting ourselves apart moment by moment uh, to acknowledge God's presence with us in every moment. And both of those are, are critically important, and both of those are of great value. Or as with our reading today from Mark 6, um, verse 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. See, it's time for, it's time for some rest. Some, some rest away from the hustle and bustle. But it's rest that is happening in the context of this, this community that's journeying together. It's, it's like a mini retreat for Jesus and his followers. Uh, and we'll talk more about next week about uh, the crucial role that community plays in the shaping of each of us uh, as disciples. And we get to live it out as well, in part this week, uh, as small groups meet and uh, particularly as our pop-up small groups start. So we have these three components uh, that we see reflected again and again and again in Jesus' rhythms. God's Word, God's presence, and God's people. These are the what of Jesus' uh, rhythms. And what's really interesting is... uh, a bit like uh, the way a rhythm really works with music, uh, where different components are produced by, by different instruments. Uh, one or two, without all three, is not going to get the job done. You see, if we just live out, our, uh, live out in a kind of solitude uh, mindset with, with just the Scriptures and, and with prayer and without the connection to God's people, that really has the tendency to lead us, can lead us to a faith which is, is internally focused. And, and doesn't include others, and, and often can be prone to error. And history has tried and failed uh, time and time again with this kind of lifestyle, sometimes seen as the ascetic lifestyle, a life of withdrawal uh, from, from others as, as a kind of a rhythm, as a habitual state. And obviously in Jesus' life and in, in, in many other Christians' life, there is a time and place for solitude. Um, but solitude is a part of the healthy rhythm not the song itself. And there's a big difference between solitude and isolation. Or simply living out of prayer and, and community, being with others, can lead us to a faith that's, that's not actually grounded in the wisdom that we, we get from the Scriptures, that's grounded only in our own opinions uh, and in our own experience. 
and authentic Christian faith does not flourish in these kind of environments in the same way when it's not anchored uh, in, by the Scriptures. Or just living out of script, the Scriptures and community without uh, thinking about prayer in God's presence can lead us to a kind of faith where we read the Bible a lot, but it never reads us. We never get to do what Jesus does in the desert where the Scriptures reflect uh, what reality is for him in that moment. We elevate information over transformation. And in this context, very quickly become a people knowing rather than a people growing. So these three elements uh, work together. We need all three. We need rhythms that help us engage with the Scriptures, uh, rhythms of prayer that help us engage with God's presence, rhythms of community like this one this morning that help us engage uh, with God's people. And this is all a part of us moving from our unconscious rhythms, our habits, those things that maybe don't serve us as well as we would hope, to a, to a sustaining rhythm that helps us prioritize and know what's what. So this is the what, and this is one filter that we might put across our own lives uh, as we continue to walk through this series. But there's something else that I find really fascinating that emerges from, uh, from Jesus' rhythm, and that's the importance of place, of place. And, and we see this again uh, in Jesus' uh, rhythms in Mark's gospel. In Mark, in Mark 1.21, for example, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So here's Jesus sharing a a communal rhythm uh, on a weekly basis with the people of God, not dissimilar to what we're doing right now. This is both a people and a place for Jesus. The people of God gathered together. Or in Mark uh, 6.46, Jesus goes up on a mountainside to pray. And, and it's not the only time that we see the importance of place uh, for Jesus' rhythm. So place is something that can be really important uh, for us as we think about some of, this, uh, some of these opportunities for rhythm in our own lives, whether it's um, shared, uh, a shared place, or whether it's a solitary place. Place can be a part of how we create rhythm because wherever you go, there you are. And most of the experience, uh, most of us experience this relationship between place and activity, uh, whether we know it or not. Sometimes we experience that positively, and sometimes we experience that negatively. Places have associations. For example, if you're trying to eat healthy, but you have a rhythm of eating junk food while watching TV, I just picked a random example that no one would relate to. Um, uh, the, the place and activity of eating food uh, sorry, the place and activity of watching TV is associated with the activity of eating junk food. Have you ever noticed that? You sit down to watch a TV program and then you suddenly think, I wonder if we've got a bag of chips there up in the cupboard. Or is this just me? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just me. Um, places do have um, associations. But knowing that and capturing that, whether it's good or bad, allows you to transform the moment, allows you to, to think about that. Other times and places, uh, for me, 
uh, it's the beach. I, I say time at the beach with God is like worth 10 times time with God any other place. I don't know what it is about that place. It's, is it the majesty? Is it the awesome power of God in the ocean? I don't know what is it. Is it creation? I don't know what it is, but I feel like my time with God is amplified whenever I'm near the water. You'll have those places that are the same for you. Places where God seems, seems closer. Because he's not closer, right? Like he's not actually closer one place more than he is anywhere else. It's us that sometimes move closer when we're in a place um, that enables our rhythm, helps us uh, to, to remember uh, who we are and whose we are. And sometimes places not about these kinds of associations, but is a, more a matter of functionality. Because there are some places, I think, that are, that are all bustle or activity or distraction, like Jesus was facing that day. And, and they may, may not be places that actually work uh, for spiritual rhythms. Or sometimes place can even function as a call to prayer, as it reminds us of a rhythm that we've enjoyed there or which is habitual. Kristen has, a, uh, has this large, comfortable pink chair uh, in our bedroom. I've sat on it about two times, but I know that it's not my place. It's her place. And it's surrounded by all of the things that are a part of her regular time with God. And it's a place that is comfortable and calls to her, and sometimes she even stays awake when she... <laughs> it's that comfortable. Now, in practical terms, I think this can be really helpful to us. The, this thinking about place and making it a part of how we think about uh, our spiritual rhythms. And it could mean a number of things. Uh, it could mean creating a space in your home which is your quiet, and for parents with young children, let's just call it solitude adjacent, because there really is no such thing as actual solitude uh, for parents of young kids, but your solitude adjacent space uh, where you have the opportunity to draw aside, and that might signal to you, this is the place that I've set apart for my time with God. Uh, or maybe creating spaces in your home that, ho that host community moments, whether it's uh, small groups. Have you ever thought about the rhythm of eating and what that can call you to? Some families have the, have the tradition of praying and thanking the Lord for their food and asking. This is a rhythm that allows us, the rhythm of eating allows us. Uh, some people pray when they're on their own as well. Did you know that? The, the, the eating of food can call us to a rhythm of gratitude. Uh, these are all possibilities for our living as we think about uh, places that are associated with activities. Or, or maybe going to a place as part of your rhythm that is life-giving. So for some people that means uh, that they find walking is a really great way uh, to, to be somewhere with God. Uh, or maybe a high place, you know, a place that uh, um, we have lots of volcanoes in this area. Uh, or a beach, somewhere like that, or a mall. Oh no, that's a different one. That's a different kind of rhythm. Uh, but maybe you find God in the mall. Um, you'll certainly find something there. Um, see, spaces and places are, are an important part of finding uh, rhythm. And I suspect that all too often we overlook the where 
as just one part of thinking about how God can wire, rewire our rhythm. So that's the, the what, being people that are uh, embracing the Scriptures and the presence of God and the people of God. And it's a little bit about the where, thinking about places uh, that we curate or places that we already experience that are a part of thinking about how God can, can be a part of those times. Um, but we can take a, a step further than that. Uh, simp- simply getting intentional about those things will help in a huge way. But beyond that, how can we focus uh, on the how? What's some of the things that might influence the how for us? Now, some of you will be aware of a taonga, of a treasure um, uh, from church history called a rule of life. And a, a rule of life uh, um, has its roots in men and women uh, who withdrew from society uh, as hermits uh, to the deserts of, of Egypt and, and Syria during the 3rd and 5th centuries. And they went because they wanted to seek uh, God. And, it, and I think to kind of reference back to where Joey was last week, they wanted to free themselves from the pattern of the world you know, that Romans 12 uh, speaks of. And they found that both inside the church and outside the church, and so they, they left both. Uh, and they began to organize their life uh, around communities and around a daily set uh, rhythm. Because I think what they knew and what, what they were trying to channel was this idea that to grow and mature spiritually, they needed one another, and they needed an intentional rhythm. These were the things that they knew they needed. And so they called this rhythm uh, a rule of life. Now, some of you I know are already thinking, didn't Brett just say a few weeks ago that we need to not be kind of rules-based Christians, that living by the rules doesn't actually uh, lead to life? Well, let me, let me reassure you. This word for, that, that's used for the, um, the word that we use for rule of life comes from a from a word, that a Greek word that actually means trellis. So let's think trellis more than we think a book of rules. And if you think about what a trellis is, a trellis is a tool that allows a grapevine to get up off the ground, to get up off the ground and to grow upward. And it's an exterior framework for an interior journey. That's what a trellis, what a rule of life is trying to do, a kind of scaffolding for our our lives uh, with God. An intentional, conscious plan that keeps God at the center of who we are and what we do. And and it, it acknowledges something really important. And that's the where Joey took us last week that we are known primarily by God's love for us. And that we are shaped primarily to be people who are learning to love God and to love others. This is what the trellis uh, is for. And so at the heart, embracing this kind of rule of life, this kind of rhythm in life, is, is rhythm of life is embracing the thought uh, that our primary identity is to live as children of God rather than children of culture or busyness or popularity or influence 
or pleasure. And so these kinds of rhythms and practices are a way to guard, guard, our, guard our habits and, and guide our lives. And you can see all through the Scriptures these kinds of intentional rhythms uh, playing out. For example, if you can take it at least, at least back to Daniel um, and think about what Daniel's position was. Daniel uh, was, a, was in an unfamiliar cultural context. It provided zero support for his faith, right? The culture was not uh, oriented towards the practice of, of his faith. He's a leadership intern in a court in Babylon, exposed to these powerful pressures to be assimilated into Babylonian culture and religion. And so Daniel develops this practice of, of, of praising and praying to God three times a day in front of an open window. That's Daniel's rhythm. That's his habit in this, uh, this really difficult environment that he finds himself. You can read about that in Daniel 6, verse 10. And as well, him and his friends, they change the way they're eating. Because for them, life is not being enhanced by what's being provided at the court. In fact, quite the opposite. So they go to a much simpler uh, meal and eating patterns. You see it in the early church. Uh, you can read about that in Acts 2 from verse 42. There's a rhythm of community and a rhythm of activity within that community that is a part of how the people of God are living in those, in those first uh, days and weeks and months after Jesus uh, ascends to be with the Father. And then there's Jesus' own rhythms, which we see him play out over this three-year period with his disciples. So as you reflect... And as you journey with small groups this week, as you do your own devotional uh, time, um, and most of you will, if you're on our email list, you'll not only, uh, you'll get the uh, sermon discussion guide for this week, which includes a number of things that you can either process together in community uh, in your small groups or which you can process in your own devotional time that might help you think about this. But here are some ways that, that might help us to think Uh, about how rhythm can be created in ways that are maybe a little different than what we normally think of when we have a very narrow sense of what spiritual patterns and habits and rhythms might look like. So I'm just going to, these are just like little prompts to think about. The first way to think about a rule of life and to think about habits is, is tracking. To actually understand the rhythms in your life that are distracting you from what you decide is your main purpose. There are a bunch of things in our living that distract us from the thought that we are God's children, that distract us from living in ways that are aligned to that thought process. And sometimes we need to, we need to take time to reflect and, and see where, where those things are. That's tracking. Uh, or maybe you, you might want to think about stacking. Stacking is like my favorite thing to do for thinking about spiritual life. So stacking is, is kind of like a new rhythms from old because we already have rhythms in our lives, right? And so quite often, we can use those rhythms to add other rhythms too. I already mentioned one, the rhythm of eating, which calls us to prayer in gratitude for God's provision. That's an idea of stacking. We take something that we already do and we add something to it. Maybe you go walking. 
you might consider adding prayer and worship to your walking. Now, I go to the gym. Most of you have commented on how good I'm looking. And uh, you don't get a body like this just by sitting around eating junk food in front of TV. In fact, that's exactly how you get it. Um, But when I go to the gym, uh, which I actually find is something I can do um, because I just don't want to die early. So I go to the gym. Uh, It's quite a powerful motivator. uh, But I use it as a time for worship. Take my Spotify selection. I worship. I'll listen to podcasts. Because there's nothing worse than sitting on a bike, churning it out. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to engage uh, with God. Stacking, something that you're already doing. Some of you have long commutes to work. It's the worst part of your day. Turn off the talk back. Find something else to occupy your attention. Use these times. Put them in, uh, make them a part of, um, uh, of life. Um, so that's stacking. Really powerful idea because you're already doing the thing. You don't have to create the habit, you just have to add something to it. It's a really powerful way of bringing uh, more rhythm into your life. Uh, Or training wheels. So training wheels are ways of calling our attention to things that we've decided we want to do. So maybe you've decided you want to pray at work, that you actually want to take two or three times a day to pray for people in your office, maybe to pray for clients, or if you're a teacher, maybe to pray for kids, or if you're in the medical profession to pray for patients, you can actually do this by just setting your alarm. That's awesome, eh? You have your own personal prayer device in your pocket. Just set an alarm for a two-minute prayer time, three times a day, or, or other prompts that can be a part of that. For your dinner, does work in the same way. Um, you can think about ways of uh, bringing those times into into a real fruitful attention with God. Uh, Or you can use the idea of replay. So this is any kind of discipline that helps you reflect on life. So your journals are a a great example of that. Um, And the Bible journaling exercise went out this last week, and that's something that you could consider. Um, This week we'll be making sure you have access to um, a tool called the Prayer of Examine, which is simply a tool that helps us look back over our day and ask where God was in that day. And where we, where we, as we look back, we see his presence and his action in our day. And we get a chance to look back on, on, on how the day was from our perspective as well, uh, whether we found ourselves living in rhythm with God and in the way that he might call us to. It's just a way of, of looking back on our lives and asking God to help us. Uh, or studio, this idea of living in the gaps. Um, it's, a, it's actually a, a Christian um, monastic practice which it, the word means is trying to describe the gap between moments. So let's get practical about this. How many of you drive to work? How many of you, keep your hands up, how many of you drive in traffic? A few more hands going up, yeah. Have you ever thought about the time between leaving your home or wherever you're going to going to your destination? There's a space between that. It's a stadio. So what can you do to use that gap? Who's, who's ever queued in a supermarket? And normally what's happened is you've picked what you think is the shortest line, and it always turns into the longest line. The Scriptures tell us that's God punishing you. No, no, no. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. But so often these times of waiting become times of frustration. What if these times of waiting were times to pause? It's like 
thank you, Lord, you've just given me some time back to pray. I'm really worried about my father-in-law who hasn't been to church for eight weeks, and here he is. Oh, he's actually here. Prayer, prayer is, prayer is prayer, prayer got answered. Um, but it, these times can be gifts, you know, rather than things that create frustration. So thinking about living in the gaps rather than enduring the gaps, these are all ways that we can create rhythm. You notice so far I haven't asked any of you to have a quiet time yet. Like, you can, but I figure you already know about all of that. We're trying to add to those set-apart times. Uh, last one, um, the, the kind of the Selah principle, um, which is, um, you know, word, you find this in the Psalms. Um, over 70 times it's used in the, in the Psalms. And it means to pause, to reflect, and pray, to take, to take a breath in our day, to find God's presence by just stopping, pausing, be still, and then moving on. These are all things that can become a part of our day. Quite often I, I do this. Um, this is my favorite cartoon, I should have probably got it on the screen, but anyway, we didn't. So there's this guy, and he's coming up to another guy, and the thought bubble, bubble comes out of his head. <gasps> there's Bob. I said I'd pray for Bob. And then he goes, dear Lord, please help Bob. And then out of the speech bubble comes, hi, Bob, I've been praying for you. <laughs> but you know, there are these moments, that between moments, where we can pause and pray and reflect. I'll often pray if I have a meeting with someone. Lord, be in our, be in our time. Lord, as I head home, you know, be in our family life. These are all rhythms that can be just a part of our everyday life. So we're going to be making some resources available uh, for the journey um, this week, some additional journaling opportunities, some, some material for reflecting on your own rule of life that you'll get the uh, sermon notes as well, which will be a part of that. And maybe, just maybe, even if it's the Bob prayer, you've grabbed some ideas. Uh, the, the Spirit has kind of said, you know, this is an area where I could meet with you. This is an area that would really work for you. The way that you're shaped, the way your life is at the moment, here's something that might really be a next step for you. And so I want you to just take a few moments uh, to capture that one thing, maybe it's two, and to write down in your journal what your next growth step looks like. Now remember, you're going to hear this from me a lot. A growth step is not... I need to pray more. That's a goal, not a step. Right? I need to pray more. A step might be, I'm going to set my alarm for 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock and do one-minute prayer bites throughout my day. That's a step. So try to reduce it to a step. One thing that's manageable. Um, you, if you have 10 things, uh, you might do 10 things poorly or not at all. If you have one thing... It's a good chance you'll get it done. And then once that's a part of your rhythm, you can add another thing. And once that, and so on, and so on. So let's take a few moments to capture that thought, and then I'll pray. So as we continue in worship, I'm praying with you that God is wanting to help you cultivate some things that draw you closer to Him. But I'm also aware that you might still be stuck 
right back at the beginning of the message. Maybe there's chaos that's really a part of your life as well. And so if that's you, we're going to also just take the opportunity to rest in the presence of God. The problem with a message like this is it feels like there's a lot to do, a lot to get done, lists to make, make plans to fulfill. But at the heart of it, these kinds of disciplines, these kinds of habits, these kinds of rhythms are about learning to rest and receive the presence of God. Not about keeping score, passing a test, or somehow achieving something. It's all about more of God in us and through us. So let's start there as we as we worship. And as this is like this is an every week thing. If you need to bring who you are and the burdens that you're carrying, that the dreams that you have, any of that, you need to bring it up here to the altar to to just have people stand with you and pray with you, I would be glad to do that. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me as we, as we do that? God, we just want to open our lives to your presence and to your power, a sense of your purpose for each one of us. God, as we, as we long to just spend more time with you and to find more and more of you in our lives, God, we would ask that you relieve us from the sense of of burden and performance and list-making and that you would invite us into your rhythms of grace, the things that are, can be a part of our, our lives day by day, week by week. God, we also bring our, our burdens to you, those things that weigh us down and ask that we might exchange them for your yoke. We bring our dreams, those things that we long for, those things that we thirst for, God, we ask that you would bless and encourage and fill and heal and do those things that uh, light the heart of who we are, that we might uh, know that we're your children and that you are our Father. So we ask it, all of this, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.